It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. You know, today's complete story is going to be different than any other we've had before, even though the theme is centered on the Bible and how Christians are to react to the teaching of God's Word. Is that about right, Rich? That's right. It's a powerful message by David Jeremiah that we heard this week. We're going to really enjoy it. Going all the way back from the time you were in junior high and high school, well, even before then, I paid a lot of attention to who is teaching my children and what are they saying. And, you know, in those earlier days, that's a long, long time ago, my word. How old are you now, Sixty. 65 or 66? Me? I'm 65. <laughs> All right, now listen, that's How old a long are you time now? ago. Now you're, you have a birthday coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a long time ago. But even then, I was concerned, what are they not teaching them? Because I wanted them to have good history and uh, skills in mathematics and, and geography and, and world history and all of those things. But also, what are they not teaching them was very important because values and good character, and all of these things are also important. But it's just gotten worse since then. Now, Paul Harvey, it's funny, Rich, that right now in the news, it's all centered around the schools. Parents no longer have the right to express themselves, even heatedly, in a school board meeting, as though the members of the school board are not public servants to represent the parents and the taxpayers, And so that is what is happening now. And I will say again, folks, if you capture the little ones and you capture the young people, why the nation then is under their their control. This is what Paul Harvey said about that. Just a few seasons ago, politicians baiting their hooks with free barbecue and trading a Ponzi promise for votes began telling us, we don't want opportunity, they said. We want security. They said it so often we came to believe them. We wanted security. And they gave us chains and we were secure. Um, Does that sound about what's happening now? We want security. So raise the budget. uh, Raise the taxes. I don't care what you have to do. Give me what I want, and uh, and then I'll be happy like kids in a candy store. Now listen to what Paul Harvey said, that history promises us if we continue on this path. History promises only this for certain. We will get exactly what we deserve. Yeah. But, you know, voters, now the citizens, they are the ones that were in high school, in junior high school, and then in college just a few years ago. And now they are the adults. And look what they've learned. Look what they've learned. And are we not on that track? What does history promise? Let's hear that again. History promises only this for certain. We will get exactly what we deserve. So, Rich, here we are, and Dr. David Jeremiah that people here on Bot Radio Network for the past many, many years is now speaking out. Isn't that interesting, Rich? It sure is. It reminds me of what Ronald Reagan said, that liberty and freedom are only one generation removed from extinction, but each generation needs to fight for it. Folks, I want you to turn your radio up and listen to everything that Dr. David Jeremiah 
is now going to say to you, the voters, the adults, the parents, the grandparents, here it is. I am afraid this new political trajectory in our nation is more than just a trend. It is a seismic shift toward the socialist agenda. If you look closely, you can draw the connections. First of all, the destruction of our monuments. It's become common in recent years to see news headlines or live video of protest groups surrounding, defacing, even eventually removing statues and other historical monuments they consider to be offensive. They took down Washington and Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, everybody they can find that had anything to do with history. When we witness these events, we're not simply seeing a bunch of rowdy young people tearing down statues for fun. No, instead, this is a part of a concerted effort to erase the past. The first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history, then have someone write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history, and before long, the nation will forget what it is and what it was. Socialism wants you to forget. Christianity wants you to remember. Remember the former things of old. God said through the prophet Isaiah, I am God and there is none like me. Yes, remember all that God has done for us. On the basis of past mercies, we can build a future of grace. The destruction of monuments is related to the socialist agenda. Cancel culture. Remember what I told you about socialism? It's totalitarian. Don't think it's just statutes and histories that are being torn down. It's also anyone who doesn't kneel at the altar of prevailing political passions. You are canceled if you don't agree. I want to point out that this too is a child of socialism. In cultural Marxism, there is no room for dissenting opinions. Are we seeing that? Absolutely. Number three, the dismantling of the nuclear family. Marxism reaches its icy fingers into your very home. Marxists want to raise your children. They want to do it, not you. That's what's going on in our schools today. They want to put all of this insidious craziness into the curriculum, starting now earlier and earlier in school. Socialists know that as long as the family remains strong, socialism can't flourish. So there's an ongoing attempt to subjugate the home to the government. That explains much of what is happening in our schools at this very moment. You need to be aware of that. And I'll tell you what, I think this may be the Achilles heel of what's happening right now because parents all over this country are waking up when they watched on Zoom what their kids were being taught during the pandemic. They said, wait a minute. This is not what we want for our children. I hope there's some of you in this room who feel that way. I know that's the way I feel. Then there's the next thing. The destruction of monuments the cancel culture, the dismantling of the nuclear family. And how about this? The redistribution of wealth. That's the central thing that most people know about socialism. This ideology teaches that all human assets should be claimed by the government and redistributed to the masses in a more equitable formula. This would supposedly rid the world of poverty, but somehow it has never worked out that way. It doesn't take a scholar to see that wherever this principle has been implemented, the poor people have gotten poorer and the few elitists who have been assigned to redistribute the wealth have themselves become filthy rich. In all the history of socialism from the beginning of time, there is not one, not one single successful socialist story. 
They are all failures. They all lead to death and destruction and poverty. And don't give me the Scandinavian countries as an illustration, because they're not socialists. Those are welfare societies. Socialism fails. Socialism is death. Socialism will lead this country to destruction, and everything it was built on, everything we believe will be destroyed if we don't stop this in its tracks. This one really makes sense. The defunding of the police. <laughs> Socialists are especially keen on keeping the reins of law enforcement in their tight fists. In America, their first step is to villainize the police, then to fund them. And that's why some cities have slashed their police budgets. And surprise! Each of these cities has seen a dramatic uptick in violent crimes in all the months that followed. Police officers are retiring early, and the recruiting of new police officers is at all-time low. Progressive politicians go to and from work to discuss all of this in their limousines accompanied by their expensive security personnel. Whatever you do, don't miss the socialist motivation for vilifying local authorities. No matter how loudly they deny it, they are simply trying to let the local government fail so that they can federalize our cities and states and move control for all that happens to Washington. Everything you watch today is about nationalizing elections, nationalizing schools, nationalizing everything. Nationalize it, then you can control it with just a few people. That's where we are, that's where we've been, and here we come to this question. Where do we go from here? You say, Dr. Jeremiah, I'm just one little one. What am I supposed to do about all this? How can I have any response? I mean, this is coming, and I see it, and I feel it, and it touches my children and my grandchildren. So what should I do? Well, I'm not going to say we can start a revolution that's going to change all this. But let me give you some thoughts that I hope you will carefully consider. First of all, we need to review what the Bible says. You say, well, isn't it possible for me to be socialist? Can I have a socialist concept and still be a Christian? So I'm going to give you a really quick little survey of what the Bible says. This is from an article that I read by Al Mohler, and this is what you need to do. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give the references, and you may have to wait till you see it in print before you can copy it all down. Scripture affirms the dignity of work, Ephesians 4.28. It affirms the fact that those who refuse to work should not eat. 2 Thessalonians 3.10. The Bible affirms private property, Exodus 22. It condemns theft, Exodus 20.15. And covetousness, Exodus 20.17. It promotes saving, Proverbs 13.22. And thrift, Proverbs 21.20. Land ownership, Acts chapter 4. Investment, Matthew chapter 25. All of these are honored in Scripture, and the Bible teaches that the laborer is worthy of his wages. Socialism contradicts every single one of those biblical principles. You can't be a biblicist and believe what the socialist wants you to believe. Number two, refuse to live by lies. If you refuse to live by lies, you might have to go out of the world, because it seems like everywhere you look, it's all lies. I've told you this. I watch on television. It's just amazing to me that intelligent people see this, and it doesn't just strip every gear in their body. Someone is accused of doing something that they shouldn't do in opposition to our country. They have all the proof. You can see the proof. It's recorded. They ask the person, and that person says, no, I did not do that. And instead of believing what they can see with their own eyes by way of proof, they believe the person. 
and life goes on as usual. The Bible says there's coming a day when good will be called evil and evil will be called good, and I guess we're living in that time. But here's what I want you to know. You do not have to live by lies. Proverbs 29, 12 says, if a ruler pays attention to lies, all of his servants become wicked. After his expulsion from Russia for writing his famous work, The Gulag Archipelago, Alexander Solzhenitsyn published a message to the Russian people, and here was his message, live not by lies. In this essay, he offered a list of what citizens must not do if they were to be faithful to the truth. Here's what he said. They must not say, write, affirm, or distribute anything that distorts the truth. Number two, they must not go to a demonstration or participate in a collective action unless you truly believe in the cause and it is true. Number three, you must not take part in a meeting in which the discussion is forced and no one can speak the truth. You must not vote for a candidate or proposal you consider to be dubious or unworthy. And you must not support journalism that distorts or hides the underlying facts. And that last point will subtract almost all of the news programs that are on television today. I mean, they don't tell the truth. Christians have been called to refuse falsehood even to accept or listen to what is false is wrong. That's why if you let your mind be filled with all the garbage of some of these networks that just force these lies out of their network room into the atmosphere, you're hurting yourself. Solzhenitsyn said, don't do it. Don't listen to it. Don't allow yourself to be listening to lies and then live by lies. So much of what we hear in our culture today has no connection to common sense. Let us refuse to live by lies. Just because somebody in power says it's true doesn't mean it's true. So review what the Bible says. That's a good thing. Refuse to live by lies. Here's another one. Resolve to be a follower of Christ and not just an admirer of Christ. You know what, what is happening, men and women, in this time? We're sorting out the church. We're sorting out Christians. We've got some Christians who are admirers of Christ, and we have some who are followers of Christ. Siren Kierkegaard wrote something about that. He said, the admirer of Christ never makes any sacrifice. He always plays it safe, though in words and phrases and songs, he is inexhaustible about how he praises Christ. He renounces nothing. He will not reconstruct his life, and he will not let his life express what he supposedly admires. Not so for the follower, oh no. The follower aspires with all of his strength to be what he admires. And that's what we need to be today as Christians. You know, I know a lot of people who are cultural Christians. You know, they've been in the church all their lives. You go to some places in the country where, maybe in the Bible Belt, where they grew up in the family, they grew up and everybody went to church. They go out and live for the devil during the week and show up in church on Sunday sort of gives them a feeling of respectability. They're not followers of Christ. They might be admirers of Christ. They want Christ on their portfolio, but they don't necessarily want him dictating their life. More and more than ever before, we need to really be seriously asking ourselves, what does Jesus Christ want me to do in this situation? Rethink small groups. As many of us learned during the COVID crisis, small groups are vital in rough times. 
This is what happened in the early days of the church where they continued daily with one accord in the temple and in breaking bread from house to house. One person has written this, what the experience of the church under communism and a discerning read of the signs of the times today tell us is this, that all Christians of every church should start forming these small groups, not simply to deepen its members' spiritual lives, but to train them in active resistance. Small groups are not retreats from the rest of the world. They are gatherings that help us care for one another, study the instructions of Scripture, cope with the world, and advance the gospel. They are biblical in nature, and they will prepare us to resist the socialist thought army that is coming after us today. We need to be in small groups so that we can get strength from one another, and when this stuff starts happening to us, we aren't standing all by ourselves trying to face it as one couple. I believe more than ever before that as we walk into these next days with all of this craziness that's going on around us, if we are not in a small group, we are setting ourselves up to be picked off. You know, the enemy likes to isolate people and pick them off one by one. You get in a small group and you have some people that can pray for you and help you, and you can ask questions, and if you need answers, you can figure them out. You don't have to be isolated. Paul wrote, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know. We need to arm ourselves with the truth, and we need to join hands with others who can help us stay strong during the things that are happening. Number five, resist any way that you can. Paul said we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, I don't necessarily know that I want to start a cult of civil disobedience. I don't know that I've ever tried purposefully to disobey the government. I did sort of become a little bit renegade when they told us we couldn't have church. We said, no, we're going to have church, and we have. That's an easy illustration of Acts 5.29, where it says you ought to obey God rather than men. So let me tell you a little story that will help you to understand how we can stand in the way of some of this stuff that is happening. Elizabeth Turner worked hard on her valedictorian speech for Hillsdale High School in Hillsdale, Michigan. She intentionally highlighted her faith in Jesus. In the draft of her speech, she said, and this is from her speech, for me, my future hope is found in my relationship with Christ. By trusting him and choosing to live a life dedicated to bringing his kingdom glory, I can be confident that I am living a life with purpose and meaning. My identity is found by what God says and who I want to become is laid out in Scripture. Well, that didn't go over too well with the school officials. Her principal told her, you are representing the school in this speech, not using the podium as your public forum. We need you to be mindful about the inclusion of religious aspects. These are your strong beliefs, but they are not appropriate for a speech in a school public setting. I know this will frustrate you, but we have to be mindful of it. Well, that didn't just frustrate Elizabeth. When Robert Morgan heard this and read about it, he did something I would have never thought of doing. He picked up the phone and called the school. And he spoke with someone in the principal's office. Rob was gentle and soft-spoken, but he questioned the school's decision. This is an infringement on the civil rights of this student, he said. It's an erosion of our freedom of speech and worship. He was directed to the office of the superintendent of schools, where he left a message on the answering machine and posted a link to the story on his social media sites. To his surprise, Rob said, Superintendent Sean Vondra called me back. He answered and wanted me to know that Hillsdale High School will certainly allow Elizabeth and all their valedictorians to express their genuine faith 
without any censorship. Can you imagine that? Sometimes when something like that happens, you will have something go off in your heart and it will say, I ought to, when it says you ought to do it. That's what happened to Robert. He saw this, he heard it, he called the school. Whoever thought of such a thing? It's amazing what can happen if we don't just sit on our hands when people are trying to steal from us the things that mean so much to us as believers. So there are times when you can resist, and God will show you when that is, and when your heart says, I ought to, you do it. And please come and tell me the story. It'll be in another sermon, I promise you. <laughs> and finally, I want you to remember Venezuela. That's where we started. Today, Venezuela is a social and economic wasteland. 96% of citizens live below the poverty line. Most people earn less than a U.S. dollar per day. Poor economic management brought about inflation rates of more than 10 million percent, which is why a roll of toilet paper cost 2.6 million bolivars, the Venezuelan currency. And the lack of investment in commodities means the nation is barren of essential medicines and medical services. As a result, an estimated 5.5 million refugees have fled Venezuela, a number that represents more than a sixth of the nation's total population. In short, a country once defined by freedom and opportunity is now oppressed, barren, and hopeless. And Marxism caused it. Marxism is among the worst ideas ever conceived. Just ask its oppressed multitudes and its countless casualties. We should be aware of its history, herald its dangers, and oppose its spread. When you see these crazy people on television, and I could name a few of them, talking about how this is going to be the new face of our nation, I hope you shudder as I do, and you hit the ground and pray, never, God, let this happen to us. Well, the best news of all is this. There is coming a utopia, better than anyone can ever imagine, better than we can imagine. Isaiah 9, 6 describes a time when the government will be upon the shoulder of Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, things will be different. Amen? Our Lord, when he returns, will right all of these wrongs. He will judge between the nations. He will rebuke many people. and They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. No, friends, socialism, Marxism, and all the other ugly isms of history will be utterly destroyed when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom on this earth. And the Bible says, and the Bible says this kingdom will be forever and ever. And it also tells us that we can be citizens of this kingdom if we will put our trust in Jesus Christ. He will not only just be the king of the earth, he'll be the king of our life. And I hope you have done that. I hope there's been a time in your life where you've given yourself to Jesus Christ and asked Christ to come and live within you. Oh, Rich, Rich. I just feel, I just feel that the song that Wintley Phipps recorded many years ago, he's a black singer and a Christian leader. Uh, and from the very first moment I ever heard of him, I have been such an admirer.
of him, but he now will sing what I think we all feel. Here it is. Please grant us peace today and strengthen all who lack the faith to call on thee each day. Heal our land. Please keep us safe and free. Watch over all who understand the need for liberty. Heal our land, heal our land, and guide us with thy hand. Keep us ever on the path of liberty. Heal our land, heal our land, and help us understand that we must put our trust in thee. If we would be free. Oh, that make you feel rich. No, it's a prayer. It's a prayer. If we would be free. And what David Jeremiah said at the end, make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you know another thing that comes to my mind? Uh, when you've spent time on your knees talking to the Lord, then get up on your feet and do something about it. Make that call. Uh, know who you should be voting for and who you should not be voting for. Um, and maybe go time, to that school board meeting. Well, you better believe it. You better believe it. Those people were elected by who? We the people. Except the only ones that elected them were the people who voted for them. And, um, and that's because too many, too many in our own listening audience just felt we'll let George do it. We'll let George take care of it. Rich, let's hear one comment from one of our listeners. Here it is. Listen, you guys, from sun up to sundown. Really appreciate it. Really insightful. We need this. America needs this station. People need to hear this. Keep it up. God bless America. Yeah, and that's mm -hmm. the truth. And that gentleman called our listener comment line sometime this past week or 10 days, whatever it was. What is the number, Rich? And that number is 1-800-345-2621. 1-800-345-2621. What he said about sun up to sundown reminded me of that verse, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. The Lord's name is to be praised. But you know what, Dad? He should also be listening throughout the night because that's also a blessing. It sure is. This is Dick Bott with my son Rich with his chapter, The Complete Story, as a public service, and we'll see you later. <laughs> 